0: Area fifty two Alien Encounter of David Stevens Alien adduction claims steadily increased throughout the United States in the nineteen seventies. Although it was still several years before abductees were regularly appearing on sofas and comforty chairs and tongue and tree daytime chat shows around America. Some remarkable incidents were beginning to surface. One of them occurred in October 1975, the account of two young men from the upper north upper northeast of the United States, Maine, perhaps more famous as the setting of many a Stephen King novel. Though there were two witnesses to this bizarre encounter, only one of them, David Stevens, would be willing to talk publicly about the ordeal, There was also one. Only one that would undergo hypnotic regression in order to reveal the full extent of the apparent outer, world, outer worldly events following excessive sessions, including several interviews of members of his family by several leading doctors, who determined repeatedly that Stephen was very much telling the truth. It was coming out to a three AM a. in the early hours of the t- 27th October 1975, when 22-year-old David Stevens and his friend Glenn Gary were driving along a quiet road in the countryside just outside North o- Oxford, Maine. They was the only vehicle on the road their long, lone headlights cutting through the thick darkness of the night in front of them. As in, that was until a lit UFO as big as a football field filled their sights the strange object would head straight into their car, maintaining position directly over their moving vehicle for several moments. Then a beam of light shot from the beam off like craft and hit them. The vehicle immediately went into sideways skid, coming to the stop within fifteen feet further down the road. Each man must have blacked out, as the next thing they knew, they awoke in a stationary vehicle. Several hours had passed. They returned home, confused, and both aware that something very much out of the ordinary just happened to them. However, it would be several weeks before Stevens would see a doctor and undergo hypnotic regression to unlock the missing hours, following a blinding light incapacitating their car. When he listened to the hypnotic sessions back, his mind was, very, was flooded with disturbing events on the lonely road near Maine. Incidentally, sequ- subsequent investigations would reveal a cooperating witness sorts, although <laughs> they didn't see the incident involving Stevens, a police officer, but uh, would report a UFO in the same area in the same time. It's hardly likely the you witness the same object David Stevens claimed he saw went abroad. abroad. Though those of men they had seen blocked them out of their minds. The strange events appeared to begin before them stopped the huge brightly lit object. About 2pm they were heading towards Lake Thompson. The car suddenly came under outside control. The pair would find themselves on the black road to Oxford. However, the car appeared to be elevated on the road. Seemingly like called a pair would went... Around a curve, and suddenly he saw the l- coloured lights in front of them. They were only visible for a few hundred, a few seconds before two bright lights filled all points of their vision. The next memory Stephen's vault has was of looking down the car from the window of a strange room. Then he noticed a strange creature enter the room. He would describe his strange being as being four foot and a half tall, and extremely pale skin. Perhaps strangest of all, was a mushroom sh- shaping of it, uh, its head. Three, two eye. there were two eyes without eyebrows, a, no- a place of a nose, two dots, when its body was a sheet or robe. A message sounded inside its head, not to be afraid, suggesting to investigate its telepathic communication. The creature then guided Stevens to a m- different room, in which he... W- in which there were several other figures, the same as the first. The room had a distinct medical feel to it, including what appeared to be an operating table, on which he was told to get on it. Once there, samples of his blood were taken. When he was asked to undress, instead of complying, he took his chance and lashed out, hitting one of the creatures. Though the action on Stephen's part caused the creatures to back away from the table's Slightly, he merely persisted with it, that he would not be harmed, and asked him to undress for an examination. Eventually, his surreal nature of experience of already wake- weakening. Any resolve it might have Stevens did as he was requested. The next thing he knew, a large device of an arm like an x-ray machine was moving over him. As... As the device was moved in over the entire entity of his body, a distant clicking would ring out. It would leave samples of his hair, and even fingernail clippings. This would go into some kind of strange-looking tubes. He was then asked to redress, which he did, immediately realizing he Sonny in another room, again looking out a window. This Then his memory appeared to fast forward. Once more, he sunny back in the driver's seat of his car. His... Glenn in, in the passenger seat, besides them both, were counting and the, the vehicle was still in the middle of the road. Is some boys' position even more unnerving? How the large craft remained, uh, remained over them. Stevens quickly started the engine, pulled away from the scene, It goes fast to the p- town of Poland, where the strange object finally appeared from fight Disappeared sight. A short time later. They turned under the car around to so head back towards Oxford. Not long ago doing so, though the car once again came under control of stern or false. The pair would find themselves a dark lane overlooking looking tripod that was about the engine cut out and the large engine appeared in front of them. Stevens quickly started the engine and pulled away from the scene. You later go, go as far as town of Poland. I've done that bit, so sorry. The craft was no more than 300 feet from the roof of the car. As they moved in awe the unbelievable display above them, they also noticed the two small crafts emerged from the water. They would rise high before diving towards the water again. They would repeat it t- several times before... They, along with the main craft, hovering over the crippled car, shot in the air and disappeared. The encounter lasted already twenty minutes. By the time they restarted the car and set off to Stephen's home, home, the sky above them was beginning to lighten. A look at the clock revealed it would be after seven a.m. The two young men went straight into bed, arriving home, determined to keep the encounter to themselves last Tests. Everyone thinking we were nuts. However, shortly, we after rubbing back began to feel extremely ill. Stevens, we recall, how felt like he was in a daze. and wondering, feeling as though he couldn't walk, see straight, or even hardly talk. When Stevens' mother examined the young men, she would find their hands and feet swollen. Both men sweating yet complaining of feeling intense cold, despite them doubling their layers. I can't keep them warm enough, she recalled. But in the day, around 12 hours of the after the afternoon, they decided to begin to feel somewhat better. <laughs> However, both wouldn't go back to full health for several days. You have been listening to Area 52, the Disturbing Alien Encounters of David William Stevens. Area 52. Pilgrim UFO Sighting Most American citizens believe the first UFO occurred in 1950-47 at Mount Rainier in Washington, then Roswell, was New Mexico. But they are in for a little bit of a surprise. Now, there really was a first sighting of the UFOs in America? According to Puritan, the answer is firm no. The first recorded sighting in New England, America, occurred in 1639 near present day Boston and was recorded by that year by John Winthrop, the governor of Massachusetts Bay Connolly. His journal entry dated March 1st. Give us a detailed account of strange events that set New England a buzz. Winthrop's story stands apart from his other more con- conventional article entries, wherein he recorded his real life success and challenges facing Puritans. But on the first of March, he tried to describe bizarre, outlandly happenings, from inexplicable lights to missing hours of time. He expounds nothing to do on this seventeenth-century tale of undefined identified flying objects, the impossible alien abduction. Riffel relates that the James Everwell, a sober, discreet man, was rowing a boat, two other men, in a muddy river, which emptied through a swamp with a tidal base to the Charles River. All of a sudden, a light, new light came into view. According to the men, they both hovered and then flew at high speed back and forth between their vessel and. Ve- village of Charleston, two miles away. As, as Winthrop describes, when, he, when it stood still it all fled up, and about three yards square Then it ran, contra- contracted in the figure of a swine. It ran as swift as an arrow towards Charlton, and so up and down about two to three hours, captivated by the sight. Everwell, his companions watched the screening light for hours, yet the strangest part of the story still awaited him. According to Wipfrock's account, the the men watched the light event and came down in their lighter boat about a mile pushed by the tide. Yet the light vanished and the men realised the boat returned to its original location. They had no memory of rowing against the tide and dropping anchor. They speculated that the light somehow transported them back to where it died. A few men in the boat weren't the only witnesses, the bizarre UFO account, according to Wipfrock. Divers. Other credible person saw the same light, but at the same time, place.